Hi, this is Gary Washburn, pastor of Grace Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning to our podcast today. Our hope is that this message inspires you and builds your faith. For more information about Grace Tabernacle and our ministries, please go to gracetab.org and like us on Facebook. Now, may the message feed your soul. Isn't it beautiful? Just lift your hands and bless God. God, we thank you that we live in a world here on the earth. It's like a beautiful garden of culture. Thank you so much for our heritage. Thank you, God. And in heaven, Lord, we thank you and we look forward to the time that we will sing and declare your praises from every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. All together in unity to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. amen. Praise God. That is awesome. I got a note this week from somebody who said that uh, I got to be able to read it first. <laughs> uh one day God said, I'm going to send some, an angel down to earth and really do a solid investigation because uh, I've heard some bad reports what's going on. So he sends an angel down there. angel comes back to God and reports, yes, sir, it's bad. About 95% of the behavior people down there are really just doing bad stuff. And only about 5% of the people are doing good. It's not good. So God said, well, I need to get another opinion. So he sent another angel down there, and he sent an angel. He's, angel came back with the same report, sir. It's true. About 95% of the people down there are really terrible, and only about 5% are doing any good. So God said, well, I'll tell you what I need to do. I'm going to send an email. I'm going to send an email to the 5% of the people down there and try to encourage them uh, with some comforting words and appreciate you know, what they're doing, say something to encourage them along. And so, uh, do you know what the email said? Well, I was just wondering because I didn't get one either, so I just... (laughs) Now I know I'm preaching to the right people. Praise God. Heaven is my home, this series that we've been on since January 1 is uh, uh, what we're talking about. And today we're looking specifically of what does God really want from my life? What's he looking for? What's he looking for in this brief time that we have remaining on the earth? What is God wanting to get from our lives? Every year Hollywood celebrates, throws a party for itself. And uh, Hollywood then brings awards, and they award themselves, and they'll, they'll give a little statue called an Oscar to the best actor, the best actress, the best director, the best supporting role. And if you win an Oscar, it will probably help your acting career for a little while. But did you know that that Oscar... The value of that statue is only about $10. The academy who gives out these awards, these Oscars, these statues, their lawyers have locked everything up so that you cannot, you have to sign an agreement before you receive an Oscar that they have their first right of refusal. You can't sell that Oscar. You have to sign an agreement. And you cannot, even your heirs, if you die, they cannot sell that Oscar. The Academy has the first right of refusal, and they, they have written it up so that it can be bought back for the value of $10. You know, we don't serve God to get rewards. But God is a rewarder. I mean, he's very generous. And look what Jesus said in the last book of the Bible. He said, behold, I come quickly. And my reward 
is with me to give to every man according to his work. God's a rewarder. God has decided that he is going to reward us for certain things that are done while we're here on this earth that he sees. David was written about even in the New Testament. He's a man after God's own heart. In Acts 13, 16, the scripture says, David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, his own time, he fell asleep. That's a word for describing how Christians, when they die, it's like falling asleep. And he was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. But I want you to notice out of that, after he had served the assignments that God had on his life, there were certain things that God had foreordained that King David, while he was living here, that he was appointed to do. There are certain assignments on your life. You're still here, so there's purpose. There are assignments that God has for you. Some may, not, some may appear to be big, like right now, I am fulfilling one of my assignments on my life is to preach the gospel to you folks. That's one of my assignments, not all of them. Some things are known by other people, but there are many assignments from God that nobody else is to know about. The great thing about God is that he knows everything. God is a genius. I mean an absolute genius. He knows everything. And the Bible says he even knows the words before they come out of my mouth. He knows what I'm going to say. He knows the thoughts and the intentions of my heart. It's important for you and I to understand that God knows our heart. He knows my heart. Put your hand on your heart and say, God knows my heart. He knows my thoughts, my intentions. He knows what I want to do, my motivations. He knows when I'm trying to be seen of men. He knows when I'm just trying to please God. And here, we have to understand that, that we're going to have a time limit here. You have a birth date, then you have a date. One day you'll have a certificate that'll say the date of your death and a time. Death is a necessary transition from this world to heaven. Death is necessary. It's just the way God designed things. We leave this earth suit here. And... When we leave here, the Bible says, after death comes the judgment. Not the judgment of your sins if you're a believer. That's already been taken care of at the cross. But is a judgment according to rewards of things that God has looked over all your life and the assignments he's given you, and he wants you to fill out these assignments. And you have to understand, with God, rewards are given according to the motivation of your heart and the opportunities that are given to you. You don't always have an opportunity, but if God foreordains you to have an opportunity to do good for somebody, Galatians 6, 9 says, as we therefore have opportunity, do good to all people, especially those of the household of faith. You have opportunity to help somebody. It's in, your, it's, in, it's in your ability to help somebody, especially in the church. God says you, you ought to do that. There's a reward attached to it. You may not get it here, but God is keeping good records. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12, For if the readiness is there, in other words, if your heart is, in, is, is motivated, yeah, I want to do this. If the, if the heart readiness is there, it's acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. You have an opportunity. You have the means. And it comes in your heart to do something. 
God, it's acceptable according to your heart motivation. Let me give you, for example, this is how God looks at things differently from us. Suppose it's put on your heart that you need to give $100 to somebody. It's on your heart. And you have $100. And you give that $100. You will be rewarded according to that $100. That was what was in your heart and you did it. But listen to this. Suppose, you know... The offering was being passed around. We don't do that here, but the offering being passed around in a church, and you go and and you know you just want to give a dollar because you don't want to look bad because your neighbor's looking at you. So you you pull out what you think's a dollar and you put it in there, and after you leave on your way home, you open up your wallet and you realize you didn't give a dollar. You gave twenty dollars. Uh oh. You didn't mean to give a $20. You meant only to give a dollar. You will not be rewarded according to the $20. You'll be rewarded according to the dollar. Are you with me? See, your heart matters. Your intention on what you're doing, why you're doing it. Are you following me? Sometimes I've been with a lot of people who get an illness, maybe a terminal illness, and they know, you know, it's pretty likely that you're going to die soon. And uh, unless God does a miracle, it looks like your end is pretty soon, pretty imminent. And they're believers. They have great faith. They know if they die, they're going to heaven. But they get kind of sad because they don't want to go just yet. Uh, they got some other things they want to see happen or some other things they want to do. And so they know they're going to heaven if they die, but they just, they, they're kind of sad because they're, they're going to be leaving behind some things maybe that they wanted to do. And it's like this. Suppose with me, use your imagination and think with me for a moment. A, a friend comes by and picks you up in the car and says, I'm taking you to a party. He said, okay. Now he drives you. You get out. You go into this house. And you know a few of the people. You don't know everybody. And you go inside. It's nice. And there's food there. And the food's adequate. And it's a nice atmosphere. And you know a few people, and you strike up a conversation. And then a little while later, your friend who gave you the ride there says, come on, we got to go. And you're just getting comfortable. You're just starting to really enjoy a conversation. You, you, you kind of, I don't want to leave just yet, but you can't say anything because he's your ride. So you have to leave, and you get in the car, and he drops you off at your, at your house, and you go up, put the key in the door, and you open up your door, and before you can even touch the light switch, the lights come on. Surprise! And all your friends are there. Your family's there. Your most favorite people you've ever known are there. Your favorite food is there. They brought gifts for you, and you are there. The first party was just to get you ready for the second party. If you had stayed back here said, no, I don't want to go yet. I just want to stay here. You'd have missed the best party. See, the moment you die, even if you're saying, I'm dying before my time. I'm dying before I don't, I don't want to go yet. I, got, I want to see my grandchildren. I want to see them. And you, and you do it. Let me tell you, the moment you die, that'll vanish. You will not have any sadness in your heart about leaving. You will not regret. Because the second party is a lot better than the first one. We're in the first party right now. You know a few people. It's nice. But the second party. Wow. You'll never regret it. I have a. 
friend who just last week told me of a dream. And she told me because her father had just passed away a little over a year ago. And uh, she told me, I got to tell you this strange dream I had. I said, okay. And when she began to tell me his dream, I knew instantly it was the Lord. And she said, I was in my dream. I was in my mom and dad's kitchen in their house. And uh, we're in the kitchen, out by the sink or doing washing dishes, doing something. And there's my mom. And I look over and there's my dad who's already gone to heaven. And this isn't her dream. There's my dad. And she looked at him. And he smiled and she said, well, is it as good as everybody say it is? She's talking about heaven. Is it as good as everybody says it is? And, and he smiled and he said, oh, yeah, I can't wait for you to see it. In fact, he said, you can't go right now. There are things here that you need to do. There are gonna be, there's things for God that has for you to do here. But I can't wait for you to get there and for me to show you around. I'll be there to welcome you. There are assignments on your life. That's the only reason you're still sitting here breathing. But it's going to be awesome. And you will not say, man, I wish I could have lived longer on the earth. (laughs) You ain't going to say that. Man, it's going to be the time of your life. Everybody you've ever known that loves you and you love them is going to be there. And the food, woo! you won't even gain weight. Praise God. (laughs) But the point is this. Before he's talking about rewards, I want to to go back and, and elaborate on it's the motivation of your heart that God looks at. I can't tell the motivation of people's hearts here. But, but God looks at our heart when we give or do anything for the Lord. He knows the motivation of my heart for being up here preaching right now. He knows what is the deep desire, why am I doing what I'm doing. And Jesus gave a great example. He said in Mark chapter 12, verse 43, he talked about a widow woman who went to church. He said, this poor woman, this poor widow, has put more than all those who are contributing to the treasury in the temple. They contributed out of their abundance, but she put in all her livelihood, two mites, which is financially nothing. She put in two mites, which it's nothing. And he said she put in more. You see, God looks at the heart. Are you listening? That's why your heart is so important. When you do things, you don't do it out of obligation. You don't do it because you have to do it. Your heart has got to be pleasing to God. So we're being judged right now by God Almighty according to the motivation that's in our heart. Why are we here today? Why are we singing praises to God? Why did we give? Why did we have communion? Why are we listening to this man? Service for God will be rewarded. Service is for God. You're doing it because in your heart, you're doing it as unto the Lord. You know, we are not servants of God. If we're born again, we are sons. Of God, Even daughters, even women are called sons of God. We're sons of God. It's a father and son business. This ministry is a father and son's business. We're his sons. This is his business. He owns the building. He owns everything. And we serve our father. And like Jesus said, we must be about our father's business. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, you yourselves are like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices, something that costs you something, acceptable to God 
through us. We're offering spiritual sacrifices of our time, our energy, our caring, our compassion, whatever it may be. Now I want you to understand something. Before a person gets saved, many times they have a wrong understanding. They think that if they do good works, they're going to merit salvation. You've heard the gospel preached enough here. You know, you should know, that good works do not merit you anything with God before you're saved. You don't earn your way to heaven. But there are good works that are ordained for you to do after you are born again. And that's the fruit of the Spirit being born in your life. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faith and meekness and self-control. In, in, in a variety of ways of ministering to people. So there are good works that come out of our life after salvation. How do you? Let me give you some quick characteristics of what a good work is for a Christian. What God is looking for from our life. A willingness to sacrifice with a good attitude for his sake. If you're going to do something that you believe God wants you to do, you need to have a good attitude about it. And if you're grumping and complaining about it, don't bother. It's not acceptable. Unless your attitude is good. A joyous faith that endures hardship. Everybody here will have some seasons where you've got to endure some hardship for doing the right thing. For doing the right thing. You might even be treated wrong. But if you maintain a joyous faith about that, God says, I'm going to reward that. I'll reward that because this is the only place you ever will have to go through that. Number three, a commitment to persevere no matter what. Moses was a great example of that. And the bottom line is the root of what we do is, I'm doing this, the bottom line is because I love God and I believe He wants me to do it. That will be rewarded. Those are good works. Service for the Lord will be rewarded. Financial generosity will be rewarded. You know, money is just a test. Money is just a test while you're here, a test of your loyalty. I want to bring a little teaching here for a moment. Tithing, if you've never heard of it, is a God idea. It's Old Testament, but it went through the cross. And it's even today. See, a tithe is 10%. 10% of whatever God gives you belongs to the Lord already. Now, please understand me on this. The tithe is the Lord's. That's what he says. It's holy to him. But he gives you the opportunity to give it. When you give a tithe to God, you haven't, given, you haven't given an offering. The tithe is His. It's like when you were a child and you went to church and maybe your parent gave you a dollar or something. And when the offering comes around, you give it. God's giving you the tithe to see, test you. Will you be faithful in giving it back to Him? Offerings are above and beyond that. And you give offerings out of what moves in your, what your heart's telling you. I want to give toward this. I want to give. That's an offering. You haven't given an offering when you've given the tithe. You've just been responsible in giving back to God what he is trusting you to do. And I'm not condemning anybody here. I don't know what anybody gives unless they come up and tell me. I don't want to know. That's between you and God. I don't treat anybody any different here. It, it, and I don't know what you give, and I have no business to know. It's none of my business. That's between you and God. And our church is very, very good about keeping all those records confidential. They do a great job. But I'm trying to teach you as your pastor, this is a test. God is testing you, and there's reward for that. 
The tithe has a reward attached to it right here now. He says, I'll rebuke the devourer for you. He didn't say that, he didn't say you wouldn't have hard times. The devourer will attack, but God will bring you through it. He'll help you financially and so forth, because he already promised that. But it's a test. I'm not here preaching about that today. That's just part of one of the things. Generosity, financial generosity is something that God blesses. There's a reward for that in heaven. And God says in Luke 16, he says, if you've not been faithful with temporal money of this world, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? It's a test. You don't have money in heaven. This is the only place you're ever going to be tested with this. Number next, whatever that number is, hospitality will be rewarded. Hospitality. When, when you, you go out of your way to help somebody or, or provide for them. I've told this story before. I'll tell the brief version of it. But a story that I'll never forget as long as I live. My wife will never forget. My kids will never forget. But when we were young in the ministry in a little town that only had one hotel there were some people that came through town and and the hotel was full didn't have any rooms and a lady called me from the grocery store uh said there's a family down here that that they they need a place to stay and there's no place for them pastor can you do something for them so i went down and met them and their car had everything in the world packed on it it looked like a grapes of wrath truck you know the i mean it had everything they owned pack on there and they were coming from a long ways away and trying to get somewhere as a husband and a wife and a, a daughter and a son and i didn't know what am i i don't have any place and the lord spoke to my heart he said your house i don't know these people so I got on the phone and called my wife from the grocery store. I said, there's this family down here that needs a place to stay. What do you think? And she said, bring them on in. She got the gift of hospitality. We brought them over to our house. They were filthy, dirty. Pam washed all their clothes that evening, prepared a hot meal for them. They hadn't ate for a long time. Sat down at our table. They took showers. Got They felt like brand new people. Our kids were there watching us do this. Uh, they slept there. and uh, I had my shotgun next to my bed just in case. <laughs> I've seen enough movies. I know what goes on. <laughs> but they were just as sweet as they could be. They were Christian people. And uh, we loved on them, gave them a little money and Next morning, as we were giving them stuff, we just the generosity just came up. We got to give them. They need. They need. We got so much. Let's give them. We gave them all kinds of stuff and more clothes. And, and my kids even got involved in it. My kids, they were little. And they purposely gave their kids special toys that they had. I want you to have this. And it just, it was in our heart to give to them and give to them and give to them. And they left and we never Never heard whatever happened to them again, and they went on down the road. But that's 20 years ago, and I, I over 20 years ago, and I remember that to this day. And I look back upon that, and I think of this verse of Scripture in Hebrews 13. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unknowingly. I don't know if they were angels, if they were just people. But I believe, that I look back in my heart, that was a test from God. He set us up. And there's a great reward for that. But we already got rewarded. Our heart was so blessed. We talk about this story to this day. And our kids who are grown now, they can tell you they remember that story, how special that was to help people who desperately needed it. You know, Jesus, if Jesus was to physically tell me, Next week, I'm physically showing up at Grace Tabernacle. I need a place to stay. And I told you that Jesus needs a house to stay in. How many of you would raise your hands? You can come to my house. May I tell you something? That's already happened. It's already happened. Jesus, in another form, 
has come to your door. In some way, he's come to your life. Didn't look like him, you didn't recognize, but I'm telling you, he's already been there. You may not have passed that test. I have many that I didn't. But let's pay attention from here on out. And ask the Lord, what are we supposed to do? Jesus said in Luke 14, he said, when you prepare a dinner, don't just call your friends and your brothers and your rich neighbors, lest they invite you in return and be repaid. Not that you can't invite your friends. Don't get me wrong with that. But call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and the people that nobody's ever going to invite to, your, to their house. Invite them over, and you'll be blessed because you, they can't repay you. You'll be rewarded, God says, at the resurrection of the just. This time of our life, there are assignments. They're all around us. Some of them are God-ordained assignments. Another thing that's going to be rewarded is spiritual disciplines. The fact that you discipline your life. That you spend time in prayer, that will be rewarded. You spend time fasting, God says that, he'll give a reward of that. When you give according to God with a right heart, God says that's rewarded. And the Jews had three basic disciplines that every Jew did. They made sure that they, they prayed, they fasted, and they gave alms like that means giving to the poor. But Jesus rebuked them for these spiritual disciplines because they did it to be seen of people. They did it to be noticed. Look at me. Look at me. They did it to be noticed. We've all got caught up in this sometime or another. We do things because we want our friends to like us and respect us, and we do things sometimes to get noticed. And God notices. And if your goal is to be seen of men, if that's in your heart, why you do what you do, Jesus says they have their reward. You got it. That's all you get. You wanted to be seen? You got it. You know the name John Wilkes Booth? Man who assassinated President Lincoln? You know the real reason why he assassinated the president? It wasn't because of his difference in politics. He did it because his brother, Edwin, was a very famous actor and was much more famous than he, and he was an actor. And he wrote in his journal, they have this today, in John Wilkes Booth's journal are these words, Fame, 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 I must have it. And his brother was outshining him as an actor on stage, was well known. And John Wilkes Booth decided to kill Lincoln so his name would go down in history. He wanted fame. He wanted to be seen. He wanted to be recognized so bad. Did it in a theater. Do you know that he was actually invited by Abraham Lincoln before this to the White House? And he didn't go, so he didn't go. He could have killed Lincoln at the White House, he, but he was invited, but he didn't go. He did it at the theater, and then from the balcony after he shot Lincoln, he jumped onto the stage. Instead of hiding and going back down another way, he wanted everybody to see him. And then he said the Latin words, uh, thus the tyrants. He wanted to be known. He wanted people to applaud him or recognize him or remember his name. Fame, fame, fame. I've got to have it. That's a true story. Do you know it's possible, Jesus said it's possible for us to succeed in the eyes of men and yet fail in the eyes of God. You look successful, everybody applauds you, you win an Oscar, everybody thinks you do, you're the greatest, 
latest whatever. And God can look at you and say, you're a failure. I get, I've been caught up in that, being a pastor. You stand in front of people, and you want people to like you, and you want everybody to uh, think you're smarter than you really are. And uh, you're more spiritual than you really are. That's just easy to get caught up in, you know. We have a board of directors in our church now, and they, they are uh, handling and doing an outstanding job as far as... Uh, finances and all that and every one of the on that board is just a awesome awesome people they have a heart for God and uh, integrity and God is doing this in our church well I'm part of that board and uh, we made a decision to do something and it's a it's a good decision and it sounds like a right decision to do and we all voted to, to do it and was happy about it. And, and the next day, uh, the Lord deals with my heart. He deals with me. He said, what, what did you do talking about that? And I said, well, we made this decision. We're all in it. We got unity. It's all, it's all good. And uh, I was driving in the car when he was dealing with me on this. He said, you can do the right thing, but do it the wrong way, and you hurt people. Or you can do the right thing my way and help people. And, and all it really was, was, there was nothing wrong with the decision. It was, it was wrong about rushing me, rushing ahead without talking to some people that are going to be involved and getting their opinion and getting feedback and listening uh, before, and rather than just coming in and say, hey, decision's been made, live with it. Talk to the elders. Talk to the people involved. He, and he just, he just dealt with me. And I said, yes, sir. I guess I got to go back and eat some crow. I'm going to write a recipe book, 99,000 ways to eat crow and love it. <laughs> That's not the first time I've had to do that. And it's not their fault. It's my fault for just slow down, talk to God, and see if he has anything to say. And he had something to say. It wasn't wrong. Now, I could have swept it under the rug and just kept right on going because I want to look good in front of everybody. But how am I going to look in the eyes of God? Who's more important? See, you face these things too. I only have one person to please. I only have one person to please. This is a father and son ministry. I work for him. I love what Bill Johnson said, and I refer to this to myself often. He says, if you don't live for the praise of men, then you won't die from the criticism. I have had some deaths from criticism, hurt because people that I admired criticized me and said things of me and, or my family, and I got deeply hurt for it because I was living for the wrong praise. You've got to please God, not everybody else. Jesus didn't please everybody. <laughs> Number next, faithfulness to your assignments will be rewarded. You have assignments. I've already touched on this already. Suppose, I've got to land this plane quickly, so suppose real quick we went back in a time machine 2,000 years ago, and 2,000 years ago suddenly we're all back at the time of the Roman Empire. Boom! We're here, and lo and behold, we have no choice in the matter, but we are born slaves. We're born in a slave family. Our destiny, our lot in life is you're going to be slaves for all your life. You'll never have a chance for promotion. You'll never have a chance to get your own rights. All your life, you were born a slave. You are a slave. That's your lot in life. You had no choice in the matter. 
Then you get saved. Born again. You hear the gospel. Now God, this is my lot in life. My assignment. I didn't ask for How do I live now that I'm a Christian? And the word of God gives the answer, as it always does. Servants, obey your masters in everything. Colossians chapter 3, put that up please. Servants, obey your masters in all things, according to the flesh. Serving not only when they're watching, but as servants, as servants of men, but singleness of heart, fearing God. Whatever you do, do it heartily, not for, I mean, do it for God, not for men. Knowing from the Lord you'll receive a reward. That's true today. Where do you get your income? You have a job, your retirement. Where do you get your income? What's the answer? From God. That's who your provider is. It may have somebody else's name on the check, but it's coming from God. If you have a job and you work for somebody who's a tyrant or whatever, that's your assignment. You're not trying to please them. You, you work to please God. I work for God. I don't work for you. I work for God. Are you understanding? This is the attitude. That, if you were born a slave and that's going to be your lot in life, God says, you, then you work for me. You may be a slave down here in the eyes of, of people, but you work for me and you do your work as unto me and I promise you there'll be a reward for you. Hello. Number next, we'll be rewarded for ministering to people. We'll be rewarded for ministering to people. Apostle Paul said, I watered, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. This past week I did a funeral and probably a, a whole house full of people there. And I went in and did this funeral. The Lord gave me clear instructions how to do it. And that day I sowed seed. I sowed seed to everybody there. I made sure every one of them even got a gospel track before they left. I sowed seed. Some days when I come in here and I give an invitation and you see people come forward to receive the Lord and we all clap and get excited about that, you may be tempted to think, wow, that Pastor Gary is something else. I caution you with that. No. Somebody a long time before me put some seed in the ground in somebody's life. It might have been a parent, a grandparent, a relative, a pastor or whatever. And somebody else came along and they watered. And I just happened that day was my reaping day. I just gave the call, and next thing you know, God brought them in. God brought them in. And some days I sow, some days I water some seed to other, and you do the same. See, God blesses when we minister to people. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unjust to overlook your work. He knows what you're doing. We all have some things in our life that nobody knows about but only God. Because we didn't do it to be seen of men. And God saw it. And he was so pleased with it. And he's really good with keeping the books. And he says, you've got a reward. See, if you're an athlete and you're running a race, you don't run a race to get a little trophy. You don't run it to, to get a trophy. You run it for the thrill of the race. You run it for the thrill of, of making yourself achieve and doing what you thought you couldn't do. You don't, you don't run to get a little trinket. You, you, you run for the thrill of running. But God's a rewarder. So what's God looking for from your life? I just told you a lot of things. There'll be a lot of people that don't get any accolades here whatsoever. When we have a, a 
ministers and visiting missionaries and visiting ministers that attend our church, I like, I like if we can, I always like to bring them up front and give them a moment in front of you and let them tell us what kind of ministry they do, where they are. And then I like to say something like this. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for saying yes to God. Thank you for serving God's people when it was hard and nobody thanked you. Thank you for your service to the Lord. And many times, probably the majority of times, you start to see a tear come out of their eye. Why? Because they have been deeply hurt in ministries by the people they served. Sheep bites. Hurt. Not thanked. Not appreciated. And they cry. And I know at that moment, God's doing some healing. Down here, you don't get all the thanks. You don't get all the appreciation. You may not get any. But God's got good records. He's seen what you did. And he applauds you. And he says, well done, son. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. The other day, and I close with this, and uh, intercessors and elders, you can, those of you who are going to help me at the altar, come on up right now. Uh, I close with this story. After this funeral the other day, which I knew was an assignment from God because it was not a member of our church that passed away. It was a neighbor in our neighborhood, and we have a great neighborhood. And uh, the Lord told me just as clear as day, Altar workers, y'all, come on up, come on up, come on, come on, come on. yeah, just, and anyway, so when I did this funeral service, and I did it in a way I've never done before, totally different, and God told me what to do, and I didn't know how it was going to turn out, but it turned out better than I ever would have imagined. I don't have time to tell you all about it. But when I was driving home in the car by myself, I said, thank you, Father, for this assignment. I almost said no to it. It was something you wanted me to do, wasn't it? I didn't hear anything. I said, thank you. This was a this was a thrill today to see you working, me and you, father and son, working together. Wow, it was so cool. Thank you, God. And then the Holy Spirit whispered into my heart just so sweetly. Thank you, son. I'm proud of you. I don't need to hear another thing. That was enough. Thank you, son. I'm proud of you. I love you, Papa. Would you please stand? Now what? <laughs> I have something that's really appropriate right now for this. Uh this was on a Facebook video that I saw. Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus yeah. in the movie The Passion. Oh, yeah. uh, most people don't know, but there's a curse in Hollywood on anybody that plays Jesus. Your career is usually shortened and ruined, if you play, especially if you play him really well. One example was uh, a man who played Jesus in a movie in the 20s and did not get in another movie until It's a Wonderful Life came out, and that was the druggist, Sam Drucker. Oh, really? Wow. And, uh, but Caviezel had this poem that he said uh, the other day, and I, I saw this, it struck me really, really wonderful. Your name may not appear down here in this world's hall of fame. In fact, you may be so unknown that no one knows your name. The Oscars and the praise of men may never come your way, but don't forget God has rewards 
that he'll hand out one day. This crowd on earth will soon forget when you're not on top. They will cheer like mad until you fall, and then their praise will stop. Not God, he never does forget, and in his hall of fame, by just believing on his son, forever there's your name. I tell you, friend, I wouldn't trade my name however small. It's written there beyond the stars in that celestial hall. For all the famous names on earth are the glory that they share. I'd rather be an unknown here and have my name up there. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Woo! What a great ending. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you, Bob. So appropriate. That's beautiful. Let's bow in prayer. Father, one day, every one of us will have a moment where we stand before your throne. For the one who has not been born again, it will be a terrifying thing. And no good works they've done will ever amount to anything. But those of you, but those here, Lord, who have received you as Lord and Savior and trust in you, it will not be a day of terror or fear. It will be a day of great celebration and great reward. You even said, Lord, that if, when enemies are in our life, if we handle it properly, you said there's great reward. Thank you, God. So I don't know how to give this invitation I trust you, Holy Spirit, will move as you have already and draw people to yourself. If anybody here is not saved, that they would say, I want to be saved. And they will receive you. And those who just need ministry, that you would direct the intercessors to them and they would minister. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I cannot stay. I have a quick meeting to go to, and so I would love to meet people normally as I do, but I have a quick meeting in my office I need to attend. But these folks here are ready to minister to you. If you sit down in a moment and say, I'm going to stay because I want somebody to come and pray with me, they'll spot you and be patient. They'll get to you and pray with you. If you need to receive the Lord in your life, then quickly approach any one of these folks. They're ready to help you, okay? God bless you. It's a wonderful day. Look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. God bless. Bye-bye.